0: time to let old things die. Snoke, Skywalker, the Sith, the Jedi, the Rebels, let it all die.
1: Rey, I want you to join me.
0: We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still...
1: Holding
0: on! Let go. Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spit and Polish presents Pictures Power. Wow, I am one of your last Jedi's, Ryan Swinsky. And I'm
1: Force-sensitive Bartek.
0: Hello, Bartek. How are you? I'm doing well, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. The Force may may be with you,
1: Bartek. Might be. It's not with the Jedi, apparently.
0: So yeah, um, we're making Star Wars references because, twist, Bartek, um, I lied, we're doing Star Trek. No, we're, we're, we're doing our weekly show, Pictures Power, and that's a show in which one of us decides a movie of the, of the week, and I decided a Star Wars movie, and if we didn't have our Star Wars references in at the very beginning, Star Wars fans, fanboys, fangirls, fans would get very angry. They would write letters, because that's how old they are. And they would say I did not hear a four Star Wars reference at the start of your show are you really a pop culture show are you some kind of nerd no but we did it anyway because society wants us to appear pressured into talking doing that aren't we Bartek
1: well, I just thought we were doing a political discussion
0: yeah 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 we're very political in this show um let me like tell. Those Jedis were the fascists all along, as I said in our Revenge of the Sith episode. (laughs) I've
1: seen the Dave Chappelle sketch about the Jedi.
0: I've seen Dave Chappelle on TV. I haven't met him in real life. Mm. So, pictures power. Truly, we we come together. We come together. We're Polish. So, Polish equals political, as we all know. Uh, Have you got any fun Polish facts for us this week, Bartek?
1: Um, hmm. Let's see, a Polish fact. Um, the the city that is considered, or the town that's considered the winter capital of Poland, which is right at the south, is called Zakopane, and it kind of sounds like it has the word kick in it, the Polish word for
0: kick. It also has the name Zak in it, which made me think of Braf.
1: Yeah, it's more like Zak, so like beginning of Zuckerberg.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Or it's just a Polish way of saying Zak. Zak It is
1: felt... It is spelt with an A, though, that is true.
0: So, the legendary Polish actor, Zach Bruff, <laughs> <laughs> Zach Bruff. Okay, so let's stop in around the bush, let's talk Star Wars The Last Jedi. For the listening people who have not seen Star Wars The Last Jedi, do watch it, and I will just say, for all intense purposes... I will bring up spoiler aspects from The Rise of Skywalker as well because I have seen that movie and that movie kind of changes this movie because this movie, The Last Jedi, is the middle part of a trilogy and when you have a trilogy of films, especially ones like this, you cannot wholeheartedly critique a Story on it's like this story on its own a part of it is that it's a part of a larger narrative and the rise of skywalker is the conclusion to that larger narrative but we will focus more on the actual movie itself but i will bring up some aspects because i have seen that movie bartek has not and bartek may have some questions relating to well how does this change or not so just fyi and of course we'll bring up some stuff about the uh Look, just spoilers on all of Star Wars, okay? I'm just going to put a blanket statement. If you haven't seen a Star Wars movie, why are you here? Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, that's right. Big... I, I didn't expect that answer, Bartek, and it had more N-words in it than I cared for.
1: Nathan Nathaniel Nice-no... The last one wasn't a word. Nog? Um, but the narr- Nog. He's a character uh, from Star of... Trek. Yeah, the narrative question of this episode is going to be, will Bartek watch Rise of Skywalker after the episode?
0: Oh yeah, that's a good thing. So, let's get into... And I'll avert
1: your expectations.
0: (laughs) So, I'll get into my history first. I saw this movie in the cinema. I have seen all of the new era Star uh, Star Wars movies in the cinema because it is the thing that is expected. And if you want to, in any way, shape, or form, enjoy any big movie, you need to see them in the cinema before they are completely ruined for you by the internet, or by your peers, by people talking about it, ruining it, spoiling it, all of that kind of stuff. And I saw the movie before any of the outrage and before any of the high opinions had started. So my own opinion of the movie was fully cemented and not at all affected by everyone else's opinion after the fact. If anything, I was left perplexed that this movie in particular has caused such a divide and such a rift between the fans and viewers and just people in general, because on my viewing of it, I walked out of the cinema and Bartek knows this. I've said this to him so he can verify that I'm not exaggerating for any effect. I said about this film, oh, it was okay. It was probably one of the safer Star Wars movies. It it was kind of one of the ones that appeases everyone the most. That was my take on the movie. Isn't that right, Bartek? Yeah, I think I remember you telling me that. I walked out of it being like, hey, it was stupid, but it was stupid in a way Star Wars is stupid. Like, I didn't walk out of it seeing, like, the most hated, divisive, controversial, most high art, low art, whatever everyone said. I saw it as a safe move. I walked out going, yeah, that was everything that I expected it to be. It was a safe corporate move with some artistic flair here and there, but I walked out of it going, it was it was safe, it was marketable, it was fine, it was appeasing the fans, and I did not realise that it would be the opposite of that. And that kind of just says right up the front of the episode that I am not pretending that I have any idea of how the Star Wars fans' minds work. I'm a (laughs) Star Trek guy, so I know how Star Trek fans' minds work, because I am one. But... Bartek, what about you? What's your history with this movie?
1: Um, With this movie, I had not seen it until two nights ago. In terms of the sequel trilogy, um, and in the whole franchise, actually, the only Star Wars film I've seen in cinemas is The Force Awakens, um, back in Mm. 2015, I believe. Saw it as part of a fundraising thing for a dojo near me. Um, And... (laughs) I I remember that movie being okay-ish, but I wasn't really, you know, uh, hooked in to want to see the rest of the trilogy. It would would always just be a kind of, if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't kind of thing. Um, And evidently, yeah, it took me almost five years to check out the second one, which is this one. Hmm. Uh, And I watched that the other night, back to back with The Force Awakens, because... Every time, obviously, I've watched this film after a lot of the discourse about the whole trilogy has been out, Um, I watch them back to back because I remember any time I would listen to someone talk about this film, it would always be, as you said earlier, in the context of what came before it and Mm. nowadays what comes after it, so... Since I wasn't able to follow a lot of the things in that, there was a lot of, like, technical terms and references to the first movie that completely slipped my mind, I just figured it would be better for me to have all the prerequisite material in my head before checking it out.
0: Yeah, because as I said, this isn't just a single film. It is a part of a larger story. It is the second chapter. It is a continuation. It is the middle of the big story. So I think it's completely valid and justified that you would want to check out the introduction to the story to refresh yourself. You haven't seen that introduction since it's been released, so it's completely fair. And This movie as a continuation, as a second part in a saga, does have to um, not only stand up as its own film, but it does have to work as a sequel, it does have to work as a continuing story. And that is something to comment upon. I did not rewatch The Force Awakens for this because I have watched it a few times, so I'm pretty familiar with it. I saw it a few times in the cinema, not by choice. Like I saw it the first time because of choice, and the second time we snuck into a movie, and it just happened to be Star Wars, and we were like, "Oh, okay, we can, you know, we can see this again." It was fun. I enjoyed the the uh, The Force Awakens. It was fine. It was everything I expected it to be. It was a J.J. Abrams movie, so that means it was a rip off, a remake, a redo, a reskin of an already well beloved franchise, but with more aggressive tone in terms of visual filmmaking and humor. And it was everything I expected it to be, and it didn't have to. And the only thing the new Star Wars movies really had to achieve at that point was to not be the prequels, and it achieved that. This film, The Last Jedi, had to do more than just not be the prequels. It had to live up to what The Force Awakens had set up. As I said, I found it to be fine when I first saw it. But Vartek, what was your feelings on it now having first seen it? And like you said, it's hard not to be affected by the discourse around it because if anything, the film is not so much notorious but infamous now. Mm, Yeah,
1: that's a good way of putting it. Uh, so, in re-watching The Force Awakens, I actually found myself enjoying that film more than I remember enjoying it. Like, I remember it being okay, um, but this time round I, I had a decent time with it. I could get into, like, the adventure feel of it. Um, some of the things that bothered me at the time didn't bother me as much this time, so it left me in sort of like a positive mood for The Last Jedi. Like, I wasn't actually fully set on watching them back to back, I just wanted to get one out of the way, but I I decided to move along to it. Mm. So I watched The Last Jedi following it, and I remember there was a point about halfway through where I thought to myself, you know, I've I've heard that people really hate this film, and I'm honestly not hating it. I guess Mm. that means I kind of like it, but then I asked myself the question, what do I like about it? And I was kind of a little bit uh, pressed for answers. So I, I guess I'm, am sort of in this middle ground of, it's, I guess similar to you. It, it's okay. It's, it's sort of working, but nothing really is standing out to make it great for me.
0: Yeah. So. When I first saw it, like I said, I saw it as generic and whatnot. And now this is my second time having seen it. I have not seen it since that cinema. I have not seen it since the discourse. I have, of course, absorbed the discourse. I have, of course, seen the arguments for both sides of the camp because I'm curious to know what everyone's seeing in this movie for good and for bad when it comes to this because, like you, Bartek, at the beginning, I'm just in the middle. Like It was nothing exceptional, but it wasn't anything horrendous. There was definitely some really bad parts, but there was also some really good parts, but, like, it evened out. But having now re-watched it, my big complaint about the movie that affected my watching of it was it was too long. It was too long. I was done by the end of it. Like, there was... This, and I felt this the first time when I watched it. When they eventually go down to that salt planet... It feels like the movie should have been over by then. Like it should have already finished, but we have to keep going because the way it's constructed. But I feel the movie is half an hour, maybe 40 minutes too long. That is my big criticism of it on this watching of it. Because I just lost interest in it because it just dragged on and on and on. How did you feel about that, Barta? Because you often criticize or are not a huge fan of these of these big blockbuster movies having to be a certain, like, being long. How did you feel about the length?
1: Uh, the overall length, I didn't mind as much, but there was definitely a strong sense of... Because I, I had... I should mention also, I have had some ideas of things that happened in this movie. It's not as strongly as as, like, say, AI or anything like that. But I did know that, like, oh, there's, like, the casino planet, there's going to be a thing on, like, where Snoke is, there's going to be the salt planet, and when the salt planet thing hadn't been hit at a certain point, I was, yeah, wondering, like, when when the film's going to get to that, or if I'm maybe misremembering it, but mm. no, then it happened. And you are right. When I think of that sequence in relation to everything else, like, all the things that had happened, like, most of the like uh three or four side plots that were happening had sort of already been resolved at that point Mm. um and i know that if we were to compare it to like you know the empire strikes back the ending of the film really is when all the side plots like merge back into one Mm. but this was an ending sequence so it, it kind of felt like the the draw of the film was already over by that point even though it is you know a final climactic battle and i guess there would be uh, you know visual merit to it in some ways but mm. yeah definitely its placement in the film was a bit odd
0: it has important things in it like luke skywalker's conclusion the fact that the uh, rebels are left alone there's no hope and kylo ren is insane and all of that stuff is very important it's not saying that we don't need those things but it is about structure it is about pace and for me, the movie really should have ended, and most people are unanimous about this. Uh, or at least a large contingency of people kind of agree that this would have been a more satisfying ending if you worked it properly, which is... Bartek is Kylo Ren offering out his hand and saying, join me, and that's the conclusion. It's a cliffhanger ending of, like, what's Ray going to do?
1: Yeah, book bookends the film too.
0: And, yeah, the it book bookends the film, and it also gives a different type of meaning to the previous ending, where, you know, there's the extension and she's, like, crying, like, you know, she's very emotional, but then, you know, you have a dark mirroring of the ending of the previous film. But we have to keep going. We have to keep going. We have to keep plodding forward. Luke needs to sacrifice himself. We need to hammer in some of these uh, thematic beats, and we need to have the moments in which our characters reunite and everyone's happy. And that is all important sure but by the time we get there i'm tired as a viewer i'm 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 just tired and i just want the movie to be over and if i'm tired that means i'm not invested and it means i'm not enjoying myself and mm. enjoyment doesn't mean necessarily like oh i'm having a happy go lucky time because the last jedi a part of its tone is it's wanting to be this dour, serious film. It doesn't want you to be smiling from ear to ear at all times, and I'm not saying I need that, but enjoyment in just the basic uh, need of a viewer, of am I liking what I'm seeing on screen? And by that point in the film, I'm done, and you're just noticing the dumb things, like, it's salt! Which is my favourite dumb moment in the movie, by the way. <laughs> just the guy, just, just so that the audience knows it's not snow. Because we've already done a snow planet before in Star Wars, but I think we can't keep doing the same vistas again and again.
1: Yeah. And I like how, coincidentally, the salt planet happened to be a cold one, because they're all dressed kind of warm. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. It reminds me... Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? What? Hoth.
0: Oh, you think?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, it's, and that was like at the beginning of that film, and this is the end of this one, so it looks kind of like a mirror.
0: But it's salt salt. Yeah. No, it's, it makes me and laugh. And when you step on it it gets red. Cuz that's the actual color of the dirt underneath the salt. It must be a very thin layer. Well, it's well, it's so thin that he can just wipe it off with his finger cuz it's salt. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um what about the film? Did you enjoy or appreciate or like? What was the positive aspects of this movie cuz I think a lot of people are gonna be focusing on focus on the negatives and we will, of course, but what about the film worked for you?
1: Um I guess considering again that I watched it back to back and the The Force Awakens is pretty much a hundred percent everyone being like, Oh man, where's Luke Skywalker? We're gonna get we're gonna, you know, get to Luke Skywalker. We're gonna see him. There was a bit of a, you know, like, yeah, he's he's back, even though he is very different it was enjoyable seeing Mark Hamill act in the Star Wars film. Yeah, uh, that was that was fun. Um, that was that was a big one. Benicio del Toro was pretty good for me. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't perfect, but I I had a good time with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else did I like? Uh, Kylo Ren, I think I enjoyed throughout both films quite a bit. I think I can definitely see what you mean whenever you've talked about how his arc has always been like the most interesting of the characters. I definitely see that now.
0: It's the most different as well because uh, the big critique of the sequel trilogy and the prequels and especially The Force Awakens is it's a lot of repeating the same beats that we've seen before in Star Wars, while Kylo Ren is. He's a weird villain in terms of just being a villain and a character, and in the Star Wars universe, these films at least, he is a very unique form of antagonist, and that is fascinating to to watch. He's not Darth Vader, he's not Darth Maul, he's not Sidious, He's he's just some young guy with a face, you know? Like... Like, in The Force Awakens, people were so annoyed when he took off the mask and he was just some guy with long hair and a big nose. They were like, who's this fucking guy with the mopey face I'm like, yeah, the best actor in the fucking series, evidently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember on my initial viewing, when I saw his face, I was thrown off a bit, but I'm so used to it now, seeing, you know, how he's a big actor and people have talked about him so much and shown what he looks like that it didn't, you know, get me this time.
0: Mm, mm. What else about the film worked for you? Because at the moment, you know, you're kind of hitting some of the surface level things of like it had Luke Skywalker in it, which is the bare minimum it has to do. But like, and you like (laughs) more Mark Hamill
1: than Luke Skywalker, but yeah.
0: But you know, it's the it's still a surface level thing of well, of course, Mark Hamill's going to be in it, and that's nice. It's like it's Mm -hmm. nice that Carrie Fisher is in the movie too, but like. Like those are like the main. Like those are basic. It's like saying it was nice that there were lightsabers in it. You know, of course, yeah. Been I've, I've, list, I've
1: basically listed three characters as things I like.
0: But what were like? Were there any themes, ideas, sequences, or scenes in particular that really struck home for you as good or great?
1: In terms of visuals, when when the what was it? The first order ship was destroyed by the, the light speed thing. I, th- I thought that was very, very nice. In
0: Star Trek, we call that the Picard manoeuvre, in which you ram a ship with another ship while it's in warp drive. So for a Star Trek fan, I was like, ooh, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so you like that yeah, visual. So- it's a pretty great visual.
1: Yeah, just... It cutting through everything and just everything lighting up and there's not much sound. Mm, I thought mm. that was really cool.
0: Mm. Anything else come out at you? Like like I said, ideas, themes, scenes, any other kind of visuals?
1: Visuals? Um...
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know. You didn't like there's... seeing the
0: aliens' titties squirting out the blue milk?
1: I was literally thinking about making that joke just now, but <laughs> I guess I, I didn't hate it. It showed me that lactation's a thing in this universe.
0: Good to know. I mean, it makes you wonder what other characters drink from an animal's tit. Like, straight up. Well, here's out. the
1: question did, did Luke ever get breastfed?
0: Well, no. I imagine not, because his mother was dead and he was given to a woman who couldn't, who wasn't able to breastfeed, I imagine, because she you know obviously was they're aliens so maybe that's different i don't know but you catch my drift right
1: Yeah. so is it is it poignant that in the ending chapter of luke skywalker's life he finally gets to breastfeed
0: i guess you got me there but he didn't drink directly from the tit he put it into a bottle
1: yeah that's true
0: if he drank directly from the nipple this film would have got a 10 star (laughs) review from me (laughs) <laughs> I remember when the film came out. There's this guy
1: on the internet that I really like who makes a bunch of stupid jokes, and he made this one tweet about the film that was like, "Oh, I really like the Last Jedi, but the part where Luke Skywalker drinks from this monster, disgusting monster's breasts and gets milk all in his beard was really off-putting." And that sounds like a joke this guy would make, but it's in the movie. So the fact that actually, yes, the fact that it's actually in there is pretty funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, um. For myself, I find the film interesting, but frustrating, because there's so many ideas that are struggling to breathe. It is too long, yet it feels too short. It feels like there's too many plots, yet there aren't enough. It's a weird balancing act that is failing, because... There's several subplots going on, and all of them have certain levels of of investment, and I think, Bartek, I wouldn't be shocked if you agreed with me or not, but the least interesting one of the entire movie is Finn and Rose's little detour to fail, because at the end of the day, it is just them failing. like. Their little trip to Canto Bight and then on the ship, and every aspect of that mission fails. Like, they park on a beach for no reason other than the movie needs the mission to fail. Mm. Why did they park on the beach illegally? Why did they do that?
1: Yeah, it's. And and even then. (laughs) Yeah, and even then, their mission is so
0: highly tied to
1: one of the other uh, side stories.
0: That's correct. So, it makes it feel like a. A lot of stupidity equals failure. And then you go, why are we with stupid people? (laughs) Instead of (laughs) the interesting things. Because for myself, I find the most intriguing aspect of the movie, the part of the movie that I wish the film was about more, was Luke and Ray. The whole aspect of Luke's character. I'm not like Mark Hamill, where I was against the idea of where Luke is at. I think it actually is really good. It makes a lot of sense, but... Wish we spent more time with it. And you can watch the film, and I, I know this is your first time seeing Apartheid, but there are so many moments within the film, especially with that story, where you feel like things were cut out. Like, we don't see his reaction to finding out that one of his longest term, like longest lasting friendships with Han, Han's dead. We don't really get a reaction out of it. We don't see it. And it's just, yeah, we'll and it's a deleted scene. It's on the Blu-ray. Yeah, we'll you can watch it, it, but it's not in the movie. And why isn't it?
1: Yeah, but, Ryan, it's not like they're brothers in law.
0: Yeah, well, there you go. But <laughs> that was the frustration for me is there's those... St- like, Luke and Ray and Kylo, that whole stuff is the most interesting aspect of the movie. And we don't spend enough time with it. And when we do, the important, some of the most important beats of the story is cut out of the movie. Whether it is directly cut out, like Luke's reaction... Or you just feel like they didn't put something important there. I kind of wish that they had the balls to just make the whole entire movie about Ray, Luke, and Kylo. Like, if it was just about those three characters, Ray training and Kylo Ren getting up to his evil shit. Because Finn. I've never liked Finn. And it's not because of the actor, but he served his purpose in the first movie. And it kind of felt like, well, what else are they going to do with him? And the answer is nothing, really, other than keep failing. And at least at the yeah, end I... of The Force Awakens, when he failed, when he got fucking sliced up, he was doing something her- actually heroic. He was he was fighting the bad guy. But in this movie, he fails because he parked on a beach.
1: Mm, and he actually injured the bad guy, too, just before getting into the coma.
0: Exactly. So he, he's his heroic failure there was heroic, but in this one it's like, it all fails because he parked on a beach, and the rest of it is consequences of parking on a beach. And it's played for Mm. comedy, so how am I supposed to care about that character? And then With Finn, I mean, and then with Poe, his storyline is probably, he's probably the one with the most simplistic, but, uh, fleshed out or played out kind of, um, character arc. You know, the hothead who learns to be, um, you know, um, level-headed by the end kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, but that story isn't particularly engaging or gripping and the, uh, the vice-admiral lady, played by Laura Dern, is uh, an aggravating character, to say the least. So I'm not invested mm. in that story. So the only real stories I'm invested in is Kylo Ren, Ray, and Luke. And it's frustrating because I wish the movie was ballsy enough just to say, we're going to focus on these characters. But you can't do that because yeah, Oscar Isaac has a contract. John Boyega has a contract. <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah, they're definitely... The-
1: yeah, they're definitely the three most interesting cuz they're all they're all conflicted in their own way. Uh they're all sort of well, what's that word? Uh I guess impressionable towards changing their minds mm. and they're all sort of like working together. They've got this dynamic. It definitely was the most interesting part for me and I actually found out at one point in the film um I was saying to myself like, "Oh man, I wish I wish this film had you know, a bit more screen time for these certain characters. And then I realized I was just listing all the main characters. <laughs> the film jumps between them so much that it feels like they equally held screen time amounts to basically not enough of the full film. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember like Luke's not even in like the second third of the film of this two and a half hour film. No.
0: And. I think it was Red Letter Media. Someone said, like, a film usually has an a, a plot and a B plot and sometimes a C and D plot, right? But this film mm-hmm. is nothing but B plots. Like, they're all equal in the level of importance because an A plot is usually something big and important, but all of them have the same kind of amount of attention and the same level of, like... Um, you know, intensity to them in some way, shape, or form. Like, the slow spaceship fight is not really that threatening or important at the end of the day. Like, the film wants you to think it is, but from an audience point of view, you don't really care that much because you do not like this vice-admiral lady because she is not telling anyone what's happening. So you're kind of like, I don't kind of care. And you're not, Mm. like you said... Not enough screen time for it as well, but there's also, like, everything's equal. When in a movie, when you have an A and a B plot, the A plot is the thing that has more screen time, more time spent on it. And then the B plot is secondary, duh, and it is, um, if it's a good B plot, it isn't just an isolated story. It connects narratively, or more importantly, thematically. And I feel like the Kylo Ren, Ray and Luke stuff was not just connecting narratively, but thematically. They were they were interlinking. They you know, there was there was nuances there, but what was the stuff with Rose thematically connecting to when it comes to stuff with, say, Poe or with Finn or with Like, you know, like we save the animals. That's what this is all about. What does that thematically connect to? Nothing. Yeah,
1: I guess, yeah, I guess, and I know this is something that you've always t- told me about as a dumb thing from the film, but her her poignant message in the climax, which is about you know protecting the things you love instead of fighting what you hate. I guess, I guess there was an idea throughout the film in some ways about, uh,
0: mm.
1: something along those lines. I had the wording in my head, but it's just slipped now. I guess doing something that feels right and moral mm. over something that would be practical. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's it's just speechifying over telling a story. And Star Wars yeah. and Star Trek and a lot of sci-fi can do that. You know, this is the theme of the movie or this is the the message of the scene and will tell you. And that can be a trope or a cliche in some way, shape, or form. But if it's still interrupting the story, then it's interrupting the story. And that moment was interrupting the story to shove in a very ham-fisted message.
1: Yeah, be right next to the enemy while the people that you're allied with are exploding in the background.
0: Yeah, and... But, um... I thought the Luke stuff was handled really well, except for we just didn't get enough of it. It's, you know, there's goofy shit, of course, a lightsaber throwing, the blue milk, the stupid harpoon that he has in the water that when you start thinking about it, how's that helpful to have it like that? The, like, large one that he poll votes yeah. over? Like, that stuff it's- was stupid. But the actual story, the idea of Luke rejecting the Force and shutting himself off and kind of being the antagonist himself while Kylo is becoming sympathetic to not only our main character but to us, the audience, none of that's invalid, none of that's a wrong idea to explore and I don't even think that stuff is explored incorrectly. It is just time management. Spend time with it. Make it the central focus. Make that the A-plot. Make the Finn and Rose and Poe stuff clearly the B-plot. But no, everything is at the same level of importance because everyone has a contract. Oscar Isaac's a big star. We can't waste him.
1: Yeah, it's weird to look at the poster and see how big Luke is and then it basically being Luke's not in it much part two. Which is fine, but Mm. it
0: isn't at the same time. Like It's just a a frustration because there is all of these heady ideas and themes in there but the other aspects of the movie are so flat generic or goofy that it does taint those things because another the second biggest complaint i have about the movie other than it's too long is it's tonally inconsistent to say the least
1: yeah, the tone is my big one.
0: The f- opening act of the movie, especially the opening twenty minutes with the with the World War Two bomber ships and Eddie Hitler from Bottom as one of the uh uh imperial fleet like empire first order fleet guys and and general harks and the i'm waiting for your mama gag on the phone thing all of that is so fucking terrible and tone deaf and tonally all over the place that it like i wouldn't blame people to shut the movie off at that point because it is i got to say uh, outside of some of the prequels one of the worst star wars openers it is just horrible <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: especially, again, coming from- straight from The Force Awakens, where he was sort of, like, menacing and not all his cards were out on the table. Immediately, he's- he's being, as the one guy said, tooled with.
0: Yeah. And just that opening scene, like, how did you feel about the the, the whole opening sequence with them and, you know, Poe shooting up the dreadnought and there's that guy on the dreadnought who's like, shoot on that little ship! And, like, how did you feel about all the tonal things in that scene? Because you have comedy, you have intense emotions, like the slow-mo, the music drains out, that woman drops the bombs and she dies, but she died a hero, and, like, all that. How did you feel about the, the tonal wonderland of that opener?
1: Yeah, all all the Poe trying to be funny stuff was sort of what I was referencing earlier when I said that some of the comedy in the first film didn't work for me. I know that he's not in it all that much, but that that sort of like appealing to the camera with your weediness kind of thing. Mm. You know, oh he can't hear me. Oh your mama. Uh, I'm gonna call you hugs instead of hucks to completely undermine any sort of menacing authority you might have in this franchise. Um, yeah, that, that stuff just was not working for me. Uh, I remember the, 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 the general guy that you were talking about earlier, wh- mm-hmm. whatever his authority was, they were just terrible. Yeah. It, it felt like, it felt like it was funny, but not trying to be in a way. It
0: was, it was an old world war two B movie level of cheese, right?
1: Yeah, and just the fact that he's in this red room, which is, like, just screaming, like, oh, this is intensity, this is, this is a war room.
0: Yeah, I, (laughs) one of the weird critiques that I have when it comes to that guy is, you know, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, people, I'm a Star Trek guy, so you can take my critiques of Star Wars all you like with a grain of salt, hey, it's salt, but... That guy is so overwrought that it reminds you that in the original movies and even the prequels, when you have these Empire guys, right? These evil guys, they were just, like, normal guys. Like, they were cold and emotionless, or they were, you know, evil British guys, but they never played it like that. And it just made them scarier in those original movies. Like, just, you know, think about um, Grand Moff Tarkin. He, he shouted and yelled and all that, but he was a cold, dignified, he was like, this is my job, and I do take pleasure in it, but this is my job, and that's what makes the people who work for the Empire, the humans, not the Siths and all that, scary, Were they were Nazis, basically. This guy just feels yeah. like a cartoon version of that.
1: Yeah, when it comes to the original trilogy, I always think of, I think his name's Pyatt. Mm, mm, yeah. The, the, the... The British one who always talks in a sort of high voice but isn't really shouting kind of thing. Yeah, is he the one that gets yeah, I, choked I over of... the
0: screen when Darth Vader's... is? I can't re- like.
1: I can't remember. I think I think he's not in the fourth film. Oh, I think he's only in the second two. But but yeah, yeah. I always think of him mainly. Just he's he's the ideal I have for. I guess the the, I guess we what would you call them like the military the non the officer branch of the the bad guys
0: yeah and that and then it's more intimidating because you can tell that they're smart but they don't care about what's right but this guy you don't think he's smart you just know he's a big angry sweaty guy and then general hux is an is a fucking joke he's an idiot like how's this guy in charge and then you know mr cgi andy circus says why he's in charge which is you know you can you can um harness the fear of idiots into a steel cold blade or whatever Lama's quote it was, and I just go, Yeah, but you still got idiots in charge. You know?
1: Yeah, and I and I think I remember in the Force Awakens he had that whole big speech which was very big and shouty, and I guess it kinda it kinda worked a bit better there because it, it just kinda showed that these guys are a little more unhinged, but they still kind of have the the more cold Nazi esque thing going on, just with a bit more, you know, unhinging unhingeness. But yeah, then mm. the beginning of this film just casts it in a lot more of a tonally weird light
0: well it's because none of the films one fully set up how the first order came to be and what their ideology is what is the first order all about other than for all intents of intents and purposes it's just the empire again but what is their goal what is their belief system how are they what are they reflective of in the real world Are these supposed to be reflective of, you know, different generations of Nazism? Like, you know, because the Nazis of World War II, just because we defeated Hitler does not mean that ideology was defeated. Hence, see how it has risen up today. Is the First Mm. Order commenting on how it's risen up today? You could argue that because, you know, Kylo Ren is the closest we get to that, right? A seemingly good person at one point has been lured into this belief system. And he's like this, you know, he's kind of a very oily, sleazy, angsty, little whiny baby kind of thing. He's pathetic, right? Yeah. Which is what we yeah, associate and- with modern modern era Nazis is how pathetic they are. While the ones of World War II, they were scary,
1: yeah, and he and Hux both have a sort of youth about their appearance that I don't think was as prominent with the Empire people.
0: No, and that's what made them good, but in this movie Hux is a literal joke. The only moment I actually enjoyed of Hux was when Kylo Ren was on the floor and he was like getting ready to draw his his gun cuz it just showed you like with visuals it showed you like ah He's ready to try and, you know, take power. Not only because we know he hates Kylo Ren, but he's seen the situation and he's like, if I kill him, I can be in charge. And that was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was the only moment of genuine menace from him. I was like, ooh, this guy's this guy's fucking dark. But in the rest of the movie, he's getting mummed and called General Hugs. Yeah, and in
1: 15 minutes after that, he's going to get, like, thrown against the wall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's tonally all over the place because... As much as I I understand the viewpoint of people who praise the movie, because I'm not in the camp of the people who hate the movie, but I'm not in the camp of people who love it, I just cannot fully relate to the people who love it, I guess, because it is so tonally all over the place. And it's not like you can't have levity in a movie. Of course you can. But it is... I don't know. It is... One, did you ever find it fun... Like, was there anything in the movie that you found genuinely funny?
1: let's see uh i sort of and this was a really early one when i think when bb8 was trying to fix something and like you know he was like covering it up and then something else would break his his reactions i found a little bit amusing Mm -hmm. like i guess i guess i could say that um i don't think i don't think there was any like oh man you really told him kind of funny things in it though yeah no zingers
0: but you only found one thing kind of funny like nothing else kind of hit your radar of amusement or that was funny not just acknowledging not really they're inten- trying to be funny but actually
1: yeah not really intentionally i don't think
0: yeah i didn't find a single thing funny in the movie like i didn't find like i i understood what they were trying to be but none of the humor landed for me and if that wasn't as prevalent of an aspect of the movie i wouldn't have been i wouldn't critique it as strongly, but this movie is half, a part of it is a comedy. It's like, 50% of it's a comedy. And if it's not funny, then it fails at the basic needs of the genre of comedy, which is what it is in Like, 50%, this falls under the genre of comedy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: And yet, it's not funny. <laughs> like... <laughs>
1: It, in, it invests a lot of dollars into the comedy department, yeah, comic relief.
0: Yeah, it's... None of it was truly offensive to me. There was things that I'm like, really? We're going to do a your mama joke and general hugs, all that. Like, the opener was truly horrendous. But it kind of got a little bit better. But, uh, I don't know, Canto bite was a little too much for me. It was always a little too much for me. But on this rewatch, it was really a little too much for me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, what are some critiques of the movie that you have? Unless you have any further praising aspects, because I feel like you you were a bit light on them, even though I don't think we hate the movie, but is there anything you want to add in praise before you give us some of your critiques?
1: Again, this is another character thing, but the scene between Luke and R2-D2 had quite a bit of heart to it, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. They literally, he literally well, said it was like a, was it a, a, um, a cheap, cheap trick or cheap move when he gave them yeah, the award? Yeah, little
1: and, I spe- and I say that especially because Luke's first reaction to Chewbacca is, What are you doing here? Which, that, again, that's one of the things that was like unintentionally, like, whoa, whoa, Why'd you do that? Because, and then with R2D2, it's very tender. Because
0: by the point he meets R2-T, R2D2, his, his opinion has changed. He's been. You know, when he meets Chewbacca, he's like, "What the hell, man!" Like, I want to be left alone to die. But by the time he sees R two D R two D two, he's 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 shifting his opinion in some way.
1: R two D two is very wise to wait.
0: Beep boop. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's your language, Ryan? So, what are your what are some critiques you have of this movie?
1: I remember the I think it was the first cut of the film, like the first actual cut editing-wise, threw me off, because it was, they had the opening crawl, and then the camera was zooming down as if it was an asteroid, and it was like, you know, the visual language was telling me like, oh, we're going somewhere, but then in the middle of this very fast motion, you know, falling effect, it cuts away to, like, two people. On the ground. And it just, yeah, and it felt really jarring that we didn't just follow the camera all the way down.
0: Well, it's because every it Star all... Wars movie has to start with a spaceship in outer space. But they wrote the no, script that's tr- where th- it's not that.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. It but it, it didn't have like I didn't feel a purpose for it. I I don't know if it was a first person thing or not.
0: No. No, 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 no. No, it was just that Star Wars fans would get upset if you didn't start it out with this a spaceship in space. So they had a spaceship in space, and then they zoomed past it and then cut down to the ground.
1: Yeah, but, but the, the zoom past was, like, it tilted down towards the ground and then, like, zoom. And yeah, you
0: know, I, don't know, I if, understand.
1: Yeah, I know. But I know you understand. <laughs> it just felt like kind of almost like a whiplash. It
0: is, it is, but it's because... <sighs> Ryan Johnson, I, you know, I have no opinion on the man but I think a part of it is he wants to make his own type of Star Wars movie, but with Star Wars being a beloved franchise with certain things, like, it's kind of a very restrictive thing to work in, especially if you're being a part of the actual trilogy of movies, you have to hit the certain beats. You have to have the lightsabers. You have to have C-3PO and R2-D2. You have to have the text crawl. You have to have this. And I can feel Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker let's not go into right now that he wants to subvert expectations, but he wants to tell the story in his way, but he has to conform to the restrictions of the media he's working in. And Mm -hmm. he attempts to appease those those, those requirements, but he still does it in his way. So you get what you get at the beginning. You get a whiplash because it's him doing his way, but also their way. The Star Wars way.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting way of compromising between like, okay, I have to do this and then I have to transition to something else. Yeah.
0: That's the movie though, isn't it? So
1: you're like, like half, yeah, half a transition in terms of moving to something else and then halfway through that will cut.
0: I have talked about this on the podcast before. I've been talking about it a lot at late on my other podcast where we talk about TV shows where this is kind of very prevalent is... I'm a huge detractor of when the creators of a piece of media, when the creators of a piece of media take, um, acknowledge the fan base's points of views and criticisms of previous movies. Cause it feels like yeah. they're writing it to kind of like, it's like retrospective It's retconning, in a way, and I found it so aggravating when Kylo Ren's with uh, big boy Andy Serkis, Snoke, and Snoke gives him a whole speech, which was the big criticism people have about Rey, which is she's a Mary Sue, she defeated Kylo Ren, she's never used a lightsaber before, and I always find that confusing, because I'm like, did anyone else watch the same movie where Kylo Ren had been, like, severely injured and had already fought another person... And then got his ass kicked. Like, it wasn't like they were on equal footing in the last... In The Force Awakens when they had that fight, right? She was Mm -hmm. perfectly healthy. She had not been shot with a laser arrow and cut... And, like, had a fight with someone beforehand, right? She had just come in and he is, like, bleeding to death. So, of course she kicks his ass. But...
1: Yeah, and even if you even if you want to argue that he is still, still technically stronger, he's got that whole unhinged thing going for him. Yeah,
0: he's 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 inexperienced because of not because of his lack of experience, but he's inexperienced in that moment because of his he's emotionally unhinged as well as gravely injured and bleeding to death. But <laughs> that was a big critique of that movie. So what does this movie do? It comments upon that critique and says it like it was text. And I'm just like, I, they did that a lot through the movie. And then the next movie, will do that about this movie, where it's like each filmmaker is criticizing the previous one. Instead of just telling the story and moving forward, we have so many times where we have to sit back and listen to the film explain why it's not a mistake that that was there before. And that was one where I go, that, but that wasn't a mistake of the movie. It was deliberate. like Not only because we need the hero to overcome the villain... But because the film in the previous one set up why the villain couldn't defeat the hero in that moment. But in this movie, you have the big bad guy berate him like the fanboys did about them. and it just felt like Ryan Johnson like logged into Reddit and copy and pasted it and put it in as lines of dialogue.
1: And he threw in some critique about the mask too.
0: Yeah, 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 right. Like, I don't mind him destroying the mask. I'm fine with that. I thought that was great. And then the, se- and then the next movie's like, no, he brings the mask back because it's stupid.
1: <laughs> Didn't you also say that in the next movie, Luke Skywalker's like, oh, you know what? I was wrong about that one thing I said.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. He comes as a ghost just to say everything in The Last Jedi I said was wrong, which is, why did he need to say that? That was the point of his journey in this movie. <laughs> It was already explored. (laughs) But this movie, that was another critique I had, was so many moments of just, not only do I not like references and feeding into the fans, but I do not like when a movie thinks it's so fucking clever because now it's having a meta commentary on itself because the audience knows... It's like when Batman v Superman happens, and they're like, hey, we heard the criticisms about the explosive ending of Man of Steel, so we're going to start the movie about that, and it's going to be really smart. And it's like, but it isn't, though. (laughs) Stop wasting my fucking time. (laughs) Um, What are the big moments... Like, What are the big things stand out to you about the film that's holding you back from really enjoying it?
1: I guess because we we already talked earlier about how... um how everyone sort of got this, like, equal treatment or not enough treatment thing, uh, and that kind of undermined their characters, made them uninteresting. I think that, I think we already commented on this, but the, um, the Vice Admiral lady, I remember her being something that a lot of people really complained about, really emphasised, mm. uh, points about, and I did remember a lot of those points. Yeah. What kind of shocked me when I actually watched the film was that, those major points were basically all of her scenes. Like she only mm. appeared like I think it was like three or four times mm. before the big turning point with the mutiny and then the big twist of like there was a plan and it just really highlighted that the simple critiques that people gave of her were really everything that were was about her. Yeah. And and just the reveal that her the way she enacted her plan by being secretive really did mess up everything, and it was just really spectacular to see how simple that problem was.
0: I found it very confusing because I understand the the positive critique of like the the people who are pro her, right? I'm not against her. I like Laura Dern. I don't think the performance is is as terrible as people want to say it is but there is an element of that where it is hard to avoid the fact that she has a kind of very at the beginning a very kind of um i guess man hater type energy vibe there and i understand where her ideology is coming from but there does come a point where you go wait so she's supposed to be a vice admiral now admiral And she's gone to this point where she's a legendary war figure, and she has not figured out that there does come a point in which you have to tell people the information. Because it is not like Poe was not obviously getting emotionally heated and or on the side of being like oh well i'll let you keep not telling me it was very obvious about the movie even with from her point of view that it was going to lead up to this mutiny it wasn't a surprise to me and it wasn't a surprise it shouldn't have been a surprise to her if she was actually really that smart and really that much of a a military figure she should have known that there comes a point where she should have t- taken him aside and told him because if she told him none of that would have happened because he was the one who was instigating the the mutiny he was the one that was instigating the the friction there because she was refusing to tell him the information and if he was told the information he would have let it go and then no one else would have really gotten as trigger happy about it because no one else was it was just him and then he rallied everyone together to perform the mutiny and At the end of the day, I go, look, I understand her point of view of, like, you you can't tell everyone your plans because it inspires hope that could be led astray. If it fails, then everyone's going to be even more depressed. I understand that. But there does come a point where you go, yeah, but you can tell this guy, though. Right?
1: Yeah, this guy who is working together with one of the other multiple plots of the film to work around the problem that you've created
0: and she dies and they make a big point about oh well she didn't want to try and look like a hero or anything yeah great she doesn't have to look like a hero or be a hero what she had to do was be competent at her job as a leader and did she achieve that not fully because if she did she wouldn't have let a mutiny happen correct
1: yeah she felt kind of like a, I guess like a nurse ratchet but without the power and respect that she should have
0: she wasn't evil like nurse ratchet I know she
1: wasn't evil but she was she was an antagonist for that that sub story for a portion
0: of it oh but you see Bartek what you didn't realize was Poe was the antagonist all along and he realized that by the end and he, he had completed his arc because he told them to pull back
1: Oh, uh, my mistake. I thought he was a protagonist with an arc.
0: No, no, he, he was an antagonist who didn't realize it. He was a protagonist who was being antagonistic, but by the end he realized he should be protagonistic. Subverted your expectations there, didn't I, Bartok?
1: So does that mean that, that Holdo was a antagonist who was being protagonistic?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Wow.
1: Well, she's friends with Leia, and Leia's uh, she's Star Wars.
0: I'm going to talk about Leia now. Um, we can talk about the famous flying out into space scene because I imagine you had heard about it, uh, but how was it actually seeing it?
1: I think I had heard about it, but I kind of dismissed it in my mind. So when I actually saw it, it it was this kind of thing of like, oh, oh, I. Oh, when people were complaining about this, it's actually quite a big thing. Mm. Yeah, it comes. Sort of out of no like when she was blown up in the the bridge i think it's what you call Mm, it
0: yeah that was the bridge
1: my my thing there was like oh i heard that she's in the next film but did they just kill her off is this (sighs) like a delusion or something but Mm. no it's 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 making me think she's dead but then they're going to pull something out of their pocket to make her still be alive and then she'll pass out
0: why did she why did they write it like that Like, why did Leia have to exit the movie? Because from what I understand, and maybe the information has changed, but she was alive and recorded all of her scenes and she had passed away just before they were going to release the movie. So it wasn't as if she didn't record anything for it that they needed to write around. So why is it written like that?
1: Hmm, yeah, maybe, like, I guess, I guess in the original idea for the film, she just, well, no, no, because Holdo replacing is a big mm-hmm. thing. I did, did they coincidentally have it be that she was going to be in a of I think so, I think it, so,
0: but why is it written like that? In the first place, yeah. why? Because we've never met this character before of, of was it Hodo? Holdo, Holdo yeah. Holdo, but Holdo, and we've never met her before, so we have no investment in her character, and her character by design is not supposed to be someone we have investment in until the very end when, subversions of expectations, she was actually the biggest hero of all, because she wasn't trying to be a hero. That's your character, Floor Poe, do you get it? Um,
1: Yeah, she was trying to protect the things she loved, and then she died while fighting the things she hated. We'll get to that.
0: But... Why is it written like that? Because in all realism, it would have been Leia doing that, right? And then, you know, it would have been confronting and dark if Poe got to the point in which he tried to perform a mutiny on Leia. But of course you can't do that because it's Leia and the audience would never Mm. feel sympathy for Poe as a character ever again if he was that antagonistic towards... Layer because she is no longer just a character or a person she's a she's a pop culture goddess and god because also carrie fisher unfortunately passed away and you know um that adds an extra level of reverence because you know she's no longer with us and she came back to perform this character and the way the franchise was set up she was going to be the one to be in all three movies because, obviously, mm-hmm. Han and Luke die before that. So, it's even sadder. So, obviously, you couldn't have written it around that way. But, in all fairness, it would have been more satisfying. It would have been a big move on their part. But the move we have, it feels kind of weird and nonsensical to me. I
1: yeah. I just
0: sit there going, why why is she in a coma for most of the movie? Why did they do that? <laughs> Other than... We have to write it like this. We want this plot, but we can't do it with Leia because the fans will get angry at us.
1: Subversion of expectations. You weren't expecting her to suddenly appear and shoot one of the main characters?
0: She's, You know, Laura Dern, in the movie, when she fires her blaster, Bartek, she actually says pew, and they just don't have the sound on. So if you watch her <laughs> mouth, she's actually saying pew. <laughs> I, okay. But that happened in the that. original, like, that happened in the prequels. Like, um, Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor got in trouble a lot, I do believe, for making the sounds of his lightsaber. <laughs> like, apparently, and there are some scenes of that, if you look carefully, you could see some of the actors doing that, too. So it's not, and look, that's that's okay, but it is weird that they kept that take in. <laughs> So if you watch a scene in which she like emerges from like some steam or whatever and shoots a guy to get out of the mutiny situation, the standoff, she's her mouth is moving and saying pew. So very nice. Very nice. What did you think of Leia in the movie? And what did you think of the space sequence? Like you thought it was weird, but like when it actually happened, were you for? It? Were you against it? Because this is us finally seeing her use the Force. Yeah,
1: I wasn't really into it, I guess. Like, I
0: I was wondering
1: how she was going to get out of the situation, and the way that they did it was to have her do this really super angelic thing that came out of nowhere, so, and, and then the aftermath is like, oh, she did the deus ex machina thing so that we can now put her in the hospital, or the, the infirmary, or whatever, so yeah, I, I, it just seemed like, okay, that just happened. I wasn't really on the edge of my seat being like, oh, well, what's going to happen? Like, it was like, oh, they're going to do something and I guess it'll be cool. And then it was a big special effect and...
0: It was embarrassing to me.
1: Very symbolic. But yeah, like you said, embarrassing and more so than subverting expectations. It was just unexpected.
0: I know you don't have a huge investment in the Star Wars franchise, nor do I, but how did you feel about, you know, this is... You know, Carrie Fisher's, you know, last time really performing this character. I know she's in the next one, but it's kind of reused footage and bits and bobs. And, but how was was there a kind of sorrow or sentiment there seeing her on screen?
1: Mm, I can't really say that it was on my mind too much, but yeah, I guess it would have been really nice if she could do a bit more actiony things in the last role. But you know, you can't can't really help that. <sighs>
0: This will upset people, but Carrie Fisher was a woman who, if anything, was very aware of criticism and would criticize herself very prevalently, but this will upset people because, you know, she's died. You can't speak smack about her, but I thought her performance in this movie was bad. I think it was not very good. I noticed the acting and I didn't find it very good. As much as I also have reverence for her as a as a as a person as an actress and what she's brought to Star Wars and all of that and it's great to have her here but I found her performance in this movie especially in comparison to the force awakens weak very yeah. stilted very awkward and I don't know if it was because she was having health problems evidently or something but it felt like she was off it felt like a performance that was those actors like robert downey jr has it late where they have an earpiece in feeding them their lines it felt like that i was noticing her performance was lacking any kind of genuine emotion there that i felt was there in the last movie more so
1: yeah i feel like in this movie there wasn't really as much physical movement with her either
0: Oh, no, 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 we can't do that. We've got to save up for the special effects to make her move.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I think even it's as simple as in the first movie, she was standing a lot, and in this one, she was sitting a lot.
0: She had a cane. So there you go. Mm. Uh, Snoke dies, and he was a non-character. How did you feel about that?
1: I remember... Yeah, three years ago, when I was still in my mindset of like, oh, I won't go out of my way to check it out, but I was interested in at least knowing a little bit more about him since, you know, to be fair, the first film did introduce him. It, it didn't tell us much about him, and I was wondering, you know, if they were going to do something with it. And I remember when I was talking to you about the film and, you know, you were telling me all these things about it, At one point, I just asked, like, "Oh, so whatever happened to that Snoke guy? And you just flat out said, like, oh, he was, he was, he amounted to nothing, really. They just killed him off. Yeah. And, yeah, seeing the film now for myself, like, obviously he was fairly prevalent in the first two thirds of it. Like, he, he, well, fairly prevalent. He had lines. (laughs) He had lines. He had menace. he, He said things that people listened to. And he had a climactic scene where he showed off some powers and it seemed like this guy could actually get things done. And then he was cut in half. And then a bunch of people that were in the room that I barely noticed were the people that end up fighting the main characters.
0: He did offer one important thing, which was... He was the reason, apparently, that they could force-connect. So he was the reason that Rey and Kylo have found uh, an understanding with one another. Yeah. That was the only thing he really offered up at the end of it all. Mm. He offered up the the, uh, mechanic of storytelling that I found very compelling. I found that compelling when they did force-connect. And I liked how it gradually got more and more like... He could feel the, the, the rain like you know, on his glove and on his face and all that. Like That stuff was good, but it's like, oh, so that Snoke could snare her in with a trap. Oh, so it kind of makes it silly? Like, yeah. oh, okay. Snoke was always bound to fail as a character because he was just the new version of Palpatine. The big, evil, old, ancient creature that's just evil. And Palpatine's a weak character, Who is elevated by a brilliant performance, an over-the-top performance, and iconic lines of dialogue. But all in all honesty in the original movies, when he's full on Sidious, you know, he's not that great. Like, you know, we you know, he's fun, but it is a character brought by the performance. Mm -hmm. Here we are trying to replicate that again, but with a CGI version and with Andy Serkis, who's a great performer, but you're just trying to replicate the Emperor again. And the Emperor was lightning in a bottle. And the Emperor, you know, it's a hard thing to try and replicate. And the prequels did it, and they managed to, but they managed because they got the same actor again. You know, if it was a different actor playing a young version of that character, it wouldn't work. No one would care. But we care because... You know, Ian McDermott is so good and he's so good that the third movie had to bring him back so that people would be invested because they had no hope in Kylo Ren as an antagonist, which is upsetting because Kylo Ren is the strongest thing about all three of these movies. And he was the thing that got criticized the most other than Ray being a Mary Sue was, oh, who's this loser? dressing up like darth vader with his stupid lightsaber but and you know he's an emo sith but at the end of the day he's the strongest aspect of all three movies yeah (laughs) including (laughs) this one i felt for him i felt bad for him and i kind of agreed with him let the past die but of course he's still an antagonist but i was like man he's making a compelling point i want to join him
1: yeah, but then as you said earlier, when the film was like 40 minutes too long, he kind of veered to uh, more so to the antagonistic side throughout that sequence. He became a
0: petulant child by the end, which was really upsetting because it's kind of undoing the amount of depth we've put to him. Hmm. And Snoke just dies and it's really funny. And I'm like, is it supposed to be funny when we have the intense close-up of his dead head on the floor with the tongue rolled out? <laughs> What was that? Yeah. What was what was that? What is the tone of this movie supposed to be? Was I supposed to find him know, intimidating but... or pathetic? Which is it? Because when the Emperor dies, it's great because he's still being evil when he dies. Like he's falling down, <laughs> shooting lightning and cackling, and he and he was too evil to to even comprehend that he could get betrayed. But this one, Snoke has The scene would have been okay if Snoke wasn't monologuing about what was happening on screen. That was what killed it for me. He's like, he's turning the lightsaber against his true enemy and and we're seeing it on screen. It's like, with the Emperor, it was cheesy enough. But it was like, again, it comes down to the performance. It comes down to the way the scene's executed. And with the scene of Palpatine dying, it was just too much dialogue telling us. What's going to happen? So the subversion wasn't really that like surprising to me. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, yeah. His death scene was basically him narrating the truth, but then it was a truth that he didn't realise. Oh, here it comes. While
0: saying, he'll never betray me. He couldn't sense that?
1: It was like, he's killing his true enemy, but the twist was, oh, I'm the true enemy and I'm about to die.
0: It was better when that was done with the Emperor. Because at that point we had cared about Darth Vader and, and, and Luke and the Emperor was so gleeful in his evil that you could understand how he could be ignorant to betrayal, right? Mm-hmm. But in this, I didn't get that sense from Snoke. He was just a guy who was evil. But he wasn't as gleeful evil where he was so gleeful in his evil acts that he's blinded to what's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, he wasn't really playing the evil-cannot-comprehend-good card. It was just... Mm. He was being deceived straight up, in a
0: way. He couldn't see it. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Yet, he could, yet he could sense every other aspect of Kylo, except for that, huh? I mean, he could sense yeah, it, but I he didn't know it was about him. Okay. Yeah,
1: I know. Th- I know the Force kind of has its own rules, but I feel like noticing that something next to you... Which you've prominently put there on your like armrest is moving through the force. I, I, I don't know. I feel like that would be something you'd notice.
0: No, don't think about it. The force isn't about lifting rocks, so that's why Rey uses it to lift rocks at the end.
1: Mm. Uh, right after his death, with the, the fight with all the red people, mm. um, when I was looking up some videos online of people talking about that, I like that it seemed to be a sort of progression of the big fight scene from surf ninjas <laughs> a lot of a lot of guys like walking and, off screen and, and rolling or, like, for away no from reason the fight. <laughs> rolling for no reason there was one gif someone posted of and it was like a slightly slowed down zoom in of one interaction between mm-hmm. a red guy and and Ray. Where the guy's dual wielding knives. Yes. There comes a point where one of his knives vanishes when it goes behind Ray's body. Right. And Ray trips and he, like, stops fighting her to, like, help her up.
0: Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That subverted my expectations. The worst part of the movie for me, the biggest sin that the movie committed, and I said this at the time, was Finn should have died. He should have sacrificed himself. It would have been. A satisfying conclusion to his character in these two movies. But he didn't. Because the movie needed to have a message. Shoved in your face. Mm, Instead of letting a character's actions be the message being delivered, it needs another character to say them out loud with words because we're dumb and we don't get it.
1: Yeah, a lot of things with Pin are... uh, Pin. A lot of things with uh, Finn are undermined in this film. Like, again... Watched this back-to-back with the other one. He gets into a coma at the end of the last one. It's a big deal. Within two seconds of him appearing on screen in this, he's up and
0: awake. And it's goofy. Yeah. Finn, naked, bag, water, what are you talking about, BB-8? Oh, there he is. It's just as nonsensical as BB-8 described it.
1: (laughs) He really is clever, that BB-8.
0: Oh, that BB-8, that clever BB-8. But... The worst aspect, of the worst scene in the movie is when Rose crashes her ship into fins. Because they've already established that these things are so rickety, so dangerous, that Poe could just st- stomp his foot through one. Remember that? Oh yeah, that's
1: right, yeah. Yet
0: she can crash her ship right into the cockpit of his. It wasn't like in the behind, it was right in. It was a T-bone. And yet they both live. And they're both good enough to walk all the distance back to the base. I didn't even think of that, you're right. Well, Bartek, don't think about it. That's what the movie doesn't want you to do. They want you to feel the emotions of her saying, don't fight what you hate, but save what you love.
1: I guess, yeah, I was so distracted by the fact that it kind of showed Ray leaving the red guy fight room off screen that I didn't notice another thing. Well, like oh, it was yeah. because
0: she took his escape ship? Because yeah, they said it, it in words. a line of dialogue. yeah. yeah. That's how we resolve things, with just a quick... I, of course, have mentioned, I do another podcast with my wife, um, the Yum Yum podcast, where we talk about Star Trek Discovery, and it has been a big thing with me since Abrams took over Star Trek, that the Star Wars and Star Trek franchises have bled so heavily into one another that it is hard to tell them apart, and even in this movie, the movie that is the most different type of Star Wars there are so many aspects that i see in star trek discovery and star trek the wrath of uh, star trek into darkness and all that that these are all becoming the same type of movies to me now so i'm really noticing these patterns and like how oh we just said it with a quick line of dialogue so that's enough I hate that being an excuse for, oh, well, well, the story was told because we said it with a line of dialogue. Was it told in a satisfying way and or in a way that is better for the visual medium? No, but it was told. So you can't critique it. Yes, I can. Because it wasn't it wasn't satisfying. It wasn't satisfying Mm. when Hux just said, oh, well, she took an escape ship. So that's why she's down there. Or, oh, well, you know, Benicio del Toro, uh, he's a snake because, you know, he sounds like a snake. He stammers. Because he's a snake. Yeah. And it's okay that there's no payoff to him. Like, we never find out what happened to him. Does he get any comeuppance? Is he in the third movie? No. There's nothing to him. Will he, you know, because we needed it to fail. But it's okay because we said it with lines of dialogue, so it's fine. It's, it's concluded. But don't fight what you hate. Save what you love. And I just want to say right now. I have nothing against the actress of Rose, and I don't even hate the character of Rose, and I think that they did her dirty in the third movie. They should have had the balls to commit and make her a proper character. But that moment there is the weakest moment in the movie, because you just go, well, okay, we the audience are going, yeah, you know what, Finn sacrificing himself to save his pals? That is a good way to end his character. And then Rose takes that away from us so that she can deliver the most obvious, cheesy message of the movie. So I'm not endeared to her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if he sacrificed himself, it would have been like kind of one-upping his his ending for the other film. Like that one, he just attacked the big strong guy of the of the faction that he's afraid of and trying to escape from. In this one, he would destroy a huge weapon, and it would have been all right. And from what you've told me, it sounds like he doesn't get as much to do even in the next film. Oh,
0: no, he does. He gets to go, Ray! Ray! Like he did in this he movie. Shouted Ray-
1: he shouted Ray Ray in the third one. Uh, sorry, the seventh one as well.
0: That's his character. Ray! Ray! Um, but they're not in love, according to J.J. Abrams. So so if you read into that, that's your fault for thinking that. By the way, if you felt mm. like Finn had any romantic attractions to her because because they set it up like that and they played it like that. Oh, you're wrong, by the way. Um, that's your that's on you. We never set it up like that. Even in this movie, mm. you see it, right?
1: Am, am I wrong for thinking that she at least likes him?
0: yeah. Apparently, you're wrong I if am? you think oh. <laughs> that, that any character likes one another in any way. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh,
1: I, figured, I figured that part at least would be undisputed, but considering that one of the words she says in that line is the the four-lettered L word.
0: No, no, shut up. Oh, we haven't talked about oh. the best scene in the movie. I think it's your favourite scene, because I know she's your favourite character. When they get to talk to Butthole Eyes herself, um, Maz Kanata, that was a great scene, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Weren't
1: you glad that she was shoehorned into the movie? It was, it, was, it was funny because she was giving exposition while in the middle of an uh, action scene.
0: Because the audience needs the important delivery of information to them whilst bang bang's happening on screen because we're too dumb and we can't have lines of dialogue just be told normally. We have to have it either done where they're doing a physical action like an action scene or done in a way where it's quick fire rapid talking. You can't just have characters Mm, talking at a normal rate. They have to be, like, doing fast quips or action while delivering the exposition.
1: Mm, And also, she was talking to the wrong people. In the seventh film, she clearly says that Chewbacca is her boyfriend. She should have talked to him.
0: She is the lamest character in all three of these movies, because her whole entire (laughs) character is, oh, I know the answers to the mystery box, but I won't tell you. And then we never get answers to the mystery box, because she never told us. (laughs) My Uh, favourite quote to use from these movies is, oh, but that's a story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Which we never hear
1: about. (laughs) Are you telling me that she doesn't have a
0: fantastic payoff in the next film? Oh, Bartek, that's a story for another time. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, The Last Jedi is just filled with dumb shit. Filled with really smart shit. But importantly, Bartek, it's filled with subversions were Mm. you i mean i know you had had elements spoiled for you but was there anything that genuinely subverted your expectations and if so was it good um i feel like the only thing that
1: kind of i wasn't expecting was what you were saying earlier about how the connection between ray and uh, Kylo was uh, part of the plan of, of Snoke, I think that might be, like, the main thing that I wasn't expecting. Not necessarily that it shocked me to my core or anything, but I did kind of think, like, oh, okay, yeah. there is some sort of, like, genuine thing happening there, but no, it was a subversion. Um, I'm not too fussed about that, though, but I feel like that might be the main one.
0: Not that Luke tried to murder Kylo Ren when he was a teenage boy because he sensed darkness in him, and he's the reason that he's Kylo Ren, because he didn't believe in him?
1: Yeah, I think I just... I've had that one prominently spoiled to me, so I guess it lost its impact.
0: (sighs) And... How did you feel about the death of Luke Skywalker?
1: That was another thing that I found a bit tonally weird, because I had heard that he dies in this film, but it was one of those points that wasn't stressed as as strongly. Because the film kind of of doesn't stress it as
0: strongly as you'd expect, right?
1: Yeah, I see that now too, but... um, yeah, it was a point that was stressed so little by people that I kind of thought like, oh, was I misremembering that? Mm. And then like you know, we had the fight scene. There's the part where like it seems like he's been cleaved in half, but he's clearly fine. And then you know he vanishes and he's on the planet. So I'm like, oh, okay, so he he actually survived. I I misunderstood that. And then he vanishes. And I'm like, oh no, he he does die. It was just on his own terms, I He guess. used
0: up all of his Force energy and he became one with the Force, like Obi Wan. Like Yoda. Yeah, like Yoda, but I think more of like an Obi Wan thing, right? Where the clothes drop mm. as well. Like, it reminded me of Obi Wan a lot. I guess it's because that's the first time we see that kind of happen. I know Yoda does it too, but like, it's Obi Wan, right? Yoda was just, he was getting I old.
1: Think- <laughs> I think Obi Wan and Luke are the only ones that do the vanish thing, right? I thought. Or does Yoda do it as well? I think
0: Yoda did it as well, but I think it was he was old and tired and dying, and he's like, "Okay, now I'm doing it," and he just kind of fades. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, I know he was on his deathbed. He's...
1: I know he's on his deathbed, but I can't remember if he vanishes. I think I, his again, body I, I vanishes. I it. It's been a while though. Okay, but Obi
0: Wan willingly does it, as does Luke. Mm. And he has the, uh, you know, he has a very similar thing of, like, you strike me down type attitude against Kylo. So he, and of course with the whole thing is he's become Obi-Wan, right? The the old exiled Jedi who's grumpy and kind of lost their way in things, but a young new apprentice has come into their world that has reinvigorated them and they're going to help them. And then at the end, they sacrifice themselves and and kind of teach Then They, you know, they give a... And they have a tortured relationship with the villain that, in a way, they helped make the villain the villain kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. He's the new Obi-Wan. Which, again, I'm not against that happening with Luke. That's a good mirroring. But Luke dies and they do the, oh, there's the binary stars in the sky or whatever. Remember that? You remember it?
1: Yeah, the two two light sources. You remember it? Mm.
0: That was in Star Wars. You remember it?
1: Yeah, Luke Pease and... yeah, and uh,
0: But... It is so non-impactful. Uh, like, I like Luke Skywalker. I like Star Wars. But... And, and There are Star Wars people who are in... You know, had a really strong emotional reaction to it. But they cry or they're angry or whatever. But when I see it, it's just so kind of... Oh yeah, Luke dies in the movie too. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, when Han died... It was more impactful... Because he was actually a character throughout the movie we invested ourselves in and cared about and they spent time with him. And when he died, it was emotional because he was still trying to reach out and be good and he died. Hmm. Right? You felt like, did you feel like, out of the two, who did you feel more emotion about when they died?
1: Definitely Han. It was it wasn't the ending of the film it was a scene that had been built up he he was very charming throughout the entire film like his his more comedic lines actually landed a bit more than other characters and he got to interact with more of the original cast than i guess luke does in this film
0: yeah And also, Luke's just been a dick the whole movie, so at the end when he sacrifices himself because he's had a character arc in which he's been good, yeah, it's good, but it's like, oh, his final act was to be good, but for the whole movie he's been a dick. Okay. Mm. Like, it, it means that you have to be wholly invested in Luke and not invested in him in this movie to care. It means you have to be invested in the entire character of Luke throughout the journey of the previous trilogy like the original trilogy, which is a strength and a weakness of something like this, right? Because it's banking on the fact that you care about Luke, and I do care, but at the same time, this movie needs to stand on its own merits and it needs to build up this character enough for when he dies, we actually do have a big emotional reaction, as well as just the fact of he's been a long-lasting character. The film itself needs to build him up, like it did with Han. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. They have this... Of any
1: film, this film has this huge thing of like, it has these iconic characters from all the way back in the 70s that they can use as a sort of leverage to for like easy appeal and, and uh, they, hmm, yeah, they, they don't, they don't manipulate that too much even if, you know, something could have been done with it and the end product ends up being this weird kind of tonally i don't even know if any of that made sense no 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 it made
0: sense to me because it's just that is the film Uh, i'm gonna ask you as someone who's watched the star wars the force awakens right before this um Mm -hmm. captain phasma appeared in this movie to remind us that that was a problem that finn had um Mm -hmm. did that make any real impact on you when she appeared in the last jedi so that they could kill her because for me i saw it in the cinema and for me i saw it this time around so i haven't watched them back to back so captain phasma to me was always like oh yeah she's a thing right i don't care though can we just move on but how was it for you when she turned up
1: yeah i remember when i first watched the force awakens she obviously stood out because she's the stormtrooper that has a uh... Different design. She's a woman and she's in power and it's something that sticks out. And then the film, that film, kind of anticlimactically did something with her, but it didn't kill her off. So there was potential. And then in this film, you don't see her that much. And then she appears near the end of Finn's solo uh, adventure, uh, side story adventure thing. And it's just a. I mean, taking away everything that happens in it, it's just a final showdown to something that really didn't have all that much to it in the first place.
0: She was never presented in the movie until those moments. We never saw it earlier in the uh, movie. Yeah, I, was,
1: I was actually hesitating to say that because I didn't know if I misremembered or if that was the case, but evidently you're saying that is the case. It's a
0: failure of a storytelling because at, at the end of the day, we get it. She's an antagonist to Finn from the previous movie. But from just the movie standpoint, you need her to be woven through this movie doing things so that way we are against her as well. But in the movie, she just turns up in the final 30 minutes to be bad. And so what separates her in this movie from just being any other other stormtrooper? What separates her from being the traitor guy in The Force Awakens? Hmm? Nothing, Mm, other than you're supposed to have the thing of, well, she was in the last movie. But again, this movie, not only is it a continuation, so yes, you have to continue that, but a part of it is it is its own movie. So if you're going to have this and uh, this big showdown at the end, you need to actually have her in the movie, but they don't, they just have her at the end so that she can die.
1: Oh yeah, Mr. Abrams created that chromodome character. I've got to do something with her. Yeah,
0: we're stuck with that. We're we're stuck with Snoke. It's like Abrams put these dumb things on the board. So me, Ryan Johnson, I'm going to put them off the board and replace them with other dumb things, so that the next filmmaker can deal with that. The franchise, this new sequel trilogy, is the biggest problem. Is there's no plan. Say what we want yeah. about the prequels. They're they're incoherent, and I think they are worse. Because of the overt racism, the poor acting, the poor direction, the poor CG, the poor storytelling in its own right. But it was planned out. You could see how George was thinking about how this was going to all come to pass, right? But this series, none of it was planned out because J.J. Abrams, in particular is a guy who doesn't like planning things out. He's mystery box storytelling. He's Mr. I love act one of a movie, of a story, but I do not like a conclusion. So he sets up all of these things, and then he goes, good luck everyone else trying to figure out where to go with them. And you have to have some idea of where those characters and those ideas should go if you want other people to pick them up. That's why the Marvel Universe works so well. They have a plan. They have plans, they have ideas, they have things they know they want to go towards, but they also know that, hey, hey, sometimes when you're making a thing, they don't always go to plan, you have to shift and alter stuff. But this, it was like... um,
1: It's all shifting and altering, but intentionally It's sorry.
0: Mad Libs. Each one's a yeah. Mad Lib. So Abrams put on this fake... Palpatine character and Ryan Johnson, Johnson comes in and he goes, ah, oh, but I don't want that. That's really stupid. And what am I going to do with that other than repeat Palpatine? I know I'll kill him. And oh, what's Ray's backstory? And he goes, I, I don't want Ray to be related to anyone because that's overdone. I know. How about she's related to no one and she's a no one and that's a part of her character. And that I like that. I like the fact that Ray was no one. Mm-hmm. And then the third movie comes along and goes, oh no, her parents were people. They just chose to be no ones. Dumb. It's (laughs)
1: it's like, you know, we're actors, we did improvisation, we know all about yes and, and this one just seems to be like, no, "No, I'll shoot that No but. (laughs) No but. It's like, oh yeah, here's the guy that can start a scene really well, and here's the guy that wants to surprise you to a
0: fault. I think both of them uh, failed. In different ways. I blame J.J. Abrams for, in a way, being a poor setup because there was potential there, but you also have to have it be so that other people can continue on the story. And Ryan Johnson, I do feel sorry for in some way because there's so many elements that Abrams left behind that there were no answers to. And they were kind of dumb to begin with. Like, you know, Snoke was a dumb idea to begin with. Chrome Dome was a dumb idea to begin with. All these things were kind of... So I don't blame him for kind of going, okay, I'm just going to get rid of those, and I'm going to wrap them up and all that, but he has his way of doing it. I'm going to subvert your expectations. I'm going to laugh and go, haha, you didn't expect that coming. And that can be good sometimes, like I said. I enjoy the Ray as nobody. I thought that was delivered well. That was a good subversion, but I... I think both of them lacked in the ability to tell the story uh, to tell a satisfying story and then JJ J. came back and really proved that he cannot do conclusions <sighs> Any questions you've got Bartek, about um how the last jedi is affected by the the, the finale
1: um Sorry, could you ask that again? Did you say The Last Jedi affected by the finale?
0: Yeah, like, any questions you've got about how The Last Jedi now has been in, affected by the, the last entry of these of this series? Because
1: oh, oh, right, the finale of the next film. I thought you meant by its own ending. I mean, like, it is what? affected
0: by its own ending. It, it sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Let's see. There was actually one question I had way, way early in this episode, and it's just slipped my mind. Um, it was something about thematics, um, there was something to do with a theme, and you you were saying something in this episode about, um, is this trying to make a commentary on this? Oh, the the first order. I
0: was talking about. Yes,
1: that's it, it was the first order, yeah. Is any, do you learn no. more about the... Backstory? No, 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 okay. no, no,
0: no. General Hux gets killed and replaced with Richard E. Grant, who is called General Pride, ha, 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 and he comes across <laughs> way more like a like a, a New Hope type of villain. He's a dignified British man who has his mustache twirling moments, but he feels more like an old-school Empire guy. Um, mm-hmm. But no... You never really get an understanding of how they came to be, who they are, what they're about, what they... You don't really know. All you know is Palpatine was in charge the whole time.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think I I think I remember you telling me that there was a twist about Hux.
0: Oh, he's a spy. He, he, he's so yeah. annoyed that uh, Kylo Ren's in charge that he's turncoats.
1: <laughs> so stupid. Uh, right um does the next film settle on whether the good guys are the resistance or the rebels
0: um <laughs> good good question huh yeah. um it settles on that uh kylo ren's a good guy at the end uh-huh. because oh the knights of ren turn up in the last movie remember those characters that were really hyped up the only reason
1: I knew about the Knights of Ren before I did this re-watching is because you told me that there was something that were mentioned in the first film, and I'd completely forgotten about them. Oh, that's a
0: story for another time. And they're mentioned in this yeah. film somewhere, and he took a bunch of apprentices and all of that, and he killed, and he slaughtered the rest.
1: Yeah, so the fact that you highlighted that to me made it a thing of like, oh yeah, 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 that is that thing that Ryan told me about, and they're really not mentioning what they are at all.
0: In the in the last one, they're just guys with other stupid masks, <laughs> and like instead of like a lightsaber, they have like one has an axe, and one has like a, a machete or something stupid like that, right? And I go, look, look, I understood why Kylo Ren wore the mask, right? He's literally the grandson of Darth Vader. Yeah. But why are they wearing the masks? They're not. Um. <laughs> It's because aesthetics, because J.J. Abrams is about aesthetics. The big thing is The Last Jedi on a rewatch really falls apart because of how the next movie handles it. Because a lot of this movie is just rejected outright and or completely ignored. So when you watch this in a full trilogy, and Bartek, I'm curious if you will get around to watching The Rise of Skywalker... After all this is said and done. But this movie kind of feels... This this Last Jedi feels like an entry that... In retrospect now, because of how the series concludes... It feels like it actually kind of contributes nothing. Mm. And that's not the fault of this movie. Because this movie was made trying to contribute something. But then the next movie rejected it. But unfortunately, when you go back and watch... It really does feel like it means nothing. And that's why I didn't watch okay. the the force awakens either because I have a feeling it would be the exact same. But uh
1: okay is is there any sort of in the next film is there a a sort of satisfying or interesting dynamic between Ray and Kylo still?
0: They still have the force connection stuff. but okay. no. Oh, no. not for me. Well, the big problem in The Rise of Skywalker, and again, this is something you can test out, and people let me know what your opinion is, but I like Rey through these movies. I like her. I I know people say she's Mary Sue, Mary Sue, whatever, whatever. I think Daisy Ridley is very charismatic. She's very charming. She is a good actress. I don't care what everyone else says. I think she's demonstrated herself to be a good actress in these movies. But in the third movie... I finally saw what others don't like about her. She, in the third movie, became really inhuman. She's really aggressive. She treats her friends like shit. She is not at all likable. And I finally saw all those problems people have with her. So I did not like Rey in the last movie. So I did not like her and Kylo's dynamic.
1: Oh man. I yeah, I actually didn't mind her too much in these first two films, like especially after everything I've heard about how you know she's super flat and and boring and Mary Sue ish, like it kind of worked for me, but hearing that the next film okay. Interesting That's just
0: my thing of it, because they're also exploring the fact in the next one, well, she went to the dark straight away in this one. So they do take some minor elements, but really the film as a whole like, yeah, they take the Force Connection stuff, and they take, like, a, you know, cool little nuggets, but they don't actually take anything that this movie was offering. And they don't expand mm. upon it or continue it or comment upon it. It's just rejection of it. Which, you know, ironically is what Ryan Johnson was doing in the first place, let the past die. It was kind of a commentary on that, hey, JJ, don't remake the same movie again, but also I'm going to try and remake Empire in my own way.
1: Mm-hmm. And where does,
0: where does Fortnite fit into all this? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing I will say about the movie is, um, and we have talked about this, but this isn't a complaint that we often bring up on the pod, is when a convenience of the plot turns into contrivance. This film had so many moments where, ooh, that was convenient to the point in which it became contrived. Did you have these feelings? Um.
1: Yeah, it's, it seemed there were a couple of that. Yeah, like, oh, the, the, the Benicio appears to pick them up. There's, uh, again, I think we were talking about Leia coming to quickly uh, fix what Poe did yeah. wrong, which he thought was right. That was good timing on her part. Then um, putting the, we...
0: the ship on the beach so that they could get arrested so they can't get the hacker. So then they go to prison. So then they meet the Benicio Del Toro character in prison who breaks them out. And then, like you said, he finds them and then he... Te- who Who didn't...
1: Yeah, who didn't seem to really have any reason for being in there in the first place since he could have left at any time. And
0: then he takes them to the ship and he can conveniently hack into the ship, but hey, he double-crosses them so that way Finn and Rose can meet Captain Phasma so then they can kill Captain Phasma. And then if the mission fails on that ship, it means that they can have to then go down to the planet and it's like so many moments of, oh, that was convenient, to the point in which it does turn over into contrived. Mm. And I rarely comment on those things. Like, oh, we do, but it was a lot of, oh, well, that was convenient. Oh, well, no, that was convenient. And it just kept going and going and going and going.
1: I feel like in small doses it can work, but yeah, a lot of them, you've got too much deus ex machina going Yeah, and, on.
0: you know, sometimes a deus ex machina can be fine if you are invested like, if you buy into the story and the character and the tone in the world, Star Wars has many contrived moments and people get focused on them. But if you enjoy the story and the characters and everything, you can look over that. But this one, it was just too many.
1: <laughs> yeah, too many for a middle-of-the-road film.
0: Uh, that's Star Wars, The Last Jedi. There's plenty of things we didn't talk about because there's just too many but overall a mess of a movie, but a movie that I can see the things that people like, and I can see the things that people hate. This time around, I gotta be honest, I'm kind of leaning towards the people hate side a little bit more than I did the first time. The first time I just kind of dismissed it I guess. I saw it as just an average popcorn flick. I saw like oh it was Star Wars. It, like it it did the you remember this things and it had lightsaber fights and shooty shooty and I kind of you know um was disparaging of the fan base I guess. And in all fairness, the fan base in both the people who are for this movie and the people who are against it have got to the point of being toxic over this movie because I still think that this movie is in the middle. But, you know, that's that's Star Wars. People are going to get upset no matter what. And I kind of have to say, as someone who loves Star Trek and science fiction and I've been noticing all of these properties that are being brought back to life and wrung out for money... People don't like me saying this, but, guys, maybe Star Wars is... Maybe we just don't need any more of it. You know? Like, it was a good series of movies. You have your TV shows and your books and your games. But do we need any more? Do we need any more Star Trek? There was 50 years' worth of it. Do we need any more? Maybe there's just no need to tell any more stories here. Maybe they were just good, but we can move on to other things with science fiction. Do we need any more? I think I think we've drained them dry, guys. But uh, people don't like hearing that, and I understand. But when I see something like this and the uh, rise of Skywalker, I kind of go, "Guys, let the past die."
1: <laughs> Kill the past.
0: Kill it if you need to. <laughs> Bartek, <laughs> would you recommend this movie? Um, again,
1: my experience of it was me watching it, realising that I didn't hate it, and then asking myself if I liked it and saying not really, no. Mm. So if, uh... I I don't know, this film's got... I know that we're in the middle of the road, but this is another one of those films that people either seem to love or hate, so you really have to see it for yourself to decide. But if I were to talk to someone who was like me... Mm. In, in most ways, I'd probably say, like, yeah, you won't get much out of it. Yeah,
0: I understand your point of view. Another thing I've always said about this, and you, I think you always like this critique, and now I'm curious if you now how you feel about it, seeing it for real. I've always said with the I hate, uh, like, don't fight what you hate, but save what you love. It's like a neat idea for, like, a quote or theme, but it's kind of like those ones that the writer will write that down as, like, okay, this is the the thematic beat that I want the scene to be. But then they went, Oh, that's actually pretty good. I'll put that as lines of dialogue instead. Like it feels like it should have been something written like in the draft stages. Like, this is this quote here is what I want the scene to emulate. But then they actually put it in the movie. <laughs> and it
1: Yeah, I see what you I see what you're saying. It's it's like a cliche that works in a specific way. And they didn't have every other part of it. So, like, for example, um, we were mentioning earlier that, you know, Palpatine's whole thing is that he couldn't comprehend being betrayed. Mm. Um, To give another another example, and I don't remember the full details of this plot, but in the Harry Potter franchise, one of Lord Voldemort's uh, things is that he cannot comprehend love. Mm. So that when people act in the name of love, it's something that he will not see coming or comprehend and ultimately acting in the name of love is some is the path in which he's brought down so there is there is actually a merit there even though it is like a sort of cliche that people roll their eyes when they hear about mm. it um and for this film the whole thing about love even though we i did like jokingly bring up things of like oh they were doing something that was moral instead of practical the film the rest of the film, and I don't know about the rest of the franchise, doesn't really support that message. It's mm. just something that, like, when you hear it, it's like, oh well, there's some positive stuff being said there. I, I maybe there's some merit if I think
0: about yeah, it. Yeah, it feels not it as feels much. Like a scene, the 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 story is reverse engineered to get to that quote a lot. Like, well, Rose needs to. Well, we kind of have Finn sacrifice himself, yet it it makes sense for him to do it. But I really want this quote in here. So how about if, hmm, like Mad Libs, Rose crashes into his ship, and then he goes, why did you do that? So then she can put this quote here, because that's what I want the theme of this sequence to be. <laughs> it's mm. very... I think a better, yeah, I think a better line would have been, I love you, sorry. Yeah, oh so, well, yeah. With the Harry Potter thing, too, even that thing you said about Voldemort is undone with the stupid... What I think is personally stupid, which is Voldemort can't feel love because he was born with, um, like, uh, his mother or someone was impregnated under a certain type of potion. They were using, like, a potion or something. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: Love potion for his muggle. Day. Yeah,
0: and and so that's why he can't feel love. And I'm like, oh, it's not just like sci- like psychology wise, he's not like he's a sociopath. It's oh, he was born that way because of magic. And I find that kind of thing stupid. And this movie, like you said, Star Wars: Last Jedi, kind of has moments of that kind of thing where oh, we need the the plot to reverse, like mechanically engineer itself to fit this stupid thing that I want to put in. It's very odd very odd i'm but hey you know there's always more star wars i uh, maybe, maybe one day you'll sit down and watch the rise of skywalker are you curious to watch it even though you've heard nothing but bad about it from me
1: i think curiosity is what's what's you know aiming me towards it if anything
0: but the nearly three hour runtime
1: hmm yeah, you know, maybe maybe I'll eat an apple instead.
0: Ah, <sighs> That's a talk on Star Wars Last Jedi. Are you keen to hear about what the Listening People's pick for next episode is?
1: We were talking about Star Wars so much, I completely forgot that that's a thing that we do. I know, this. Star Wars. <laughs> I am keen. So,
0: Listening yeah. People's selection for next episode is a movie, Bartek, called Exit to Eden, a movie starring our boy, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, uh, mm, uh, okay. That was recommended oh. by my uh, by my one of my wife's good, good friends, Brene. Uh, Brene, um, not not Bronwyn or Renee. She couldn't decide on one, so I had to go with both. Uh, so Exit to Eden with Dan Aykroyd is the movie of choice next time. So listening people, make sure to check that out in the interim, and while you're there, you can always contact us on our email, spitandpolished at gmail.com, to ask us some questions, give us your thoughts, theories, concerns, queries on things we've talked about, where do you land on The Last Jedi, you can of course also give us your suggestions for movies to cover on the show, it's not just Bronwyn or Renee, or Brené, it can be you as well. Um, we have our social medias of Facebook and Twitter, in which you can also contact us on there, see some fun extra posts. Bartek posted last from last week's episode some of those baby memes from Ice Age, and they're fucking terrifying, and I don't <laughs> like them. But you can see some extra content on those, and you can obviously hit us up on that as well. All of that information is in the description of this episode. Uh, Make sure to rate us and review us on the podcatcher of choice and recommend us to all your friends. I'm sure if you recommend this episode to a Star Wars The Last Jedi lover or hater, they would absolutely think that we were very even-handed and fair and not at all get hyperbolically angry at any little mistake we made along the way or not understand any kind of criticism or sarcasm. I'm sure if they're a normal person, they will enjoy it. And I'm sure that's great. Because Star Wars fans, when I think fans, I I don't think fucking evil and toxic and scary and make me want to leave the sci-fi community at all. (laughs) Uh, Bartek, a pleasure as usual. Uh, Until next time, listening people, remember to drink your blue milk straight from the fucking titty.
1: Yeah, and if a little bird creature is watching you while you're trying to eat a little bird creature, just growl at it.
0: We didn't even fucking talk about the porgs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we didn't know. I was thinking about Chewbacca throughout this whole episode, but we didn't really talk about him much either. He was there. He was. I like, the, I like it when an iconic duo character is left on their own and they, they become, you know, a new character. A
0: nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>